thinking about those areas that you probably already know um, uh, most about. I, I want to begin tonight by making sure that you understand the difference in a theory and a law. Um, it, it, folks, you've seen in the newspapers the debate in the Tennessee legislature about the monkey law. And as I, I, I talked to Mark Hackett tonight, and he said it's just about dead. Um, but you, you noticed that um, the, the goal of that law is to prevent public school teachers from teaching evolution in any other way except as theory. And I, for one, ladies and gentlemen, am not a, I'm not opposed at all. I'm not opposed at all to the uh, public school system teaching evolution as a theory, if that's what they do. But you know better than that. That's not what happens. Uh, it may be taught as uh, some kind of theoretical uh, supposition. But then you go to the Pink Palace, as some of you have done. And ladies and gentlemen, it is not presented at the Pink Palace as theory. You go to the Smithsonian Institute, and you walk through the Museum of Natural History, ladies and gentlemen, and it just it crawls all over you because it's not presented there as theory either. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't expect the public school system to teach godliness. If you expect that, you, you, you need to get your head out of the sand. Sinners sin. You can expect that. And, and non-Christians teach evolution. If we could get them to teach it as a theory, I think it'd be a giant victory for us. And that if we could make that law. But I don't expect them to teach creationism. I don't intend to put pearls in the hands of swine and ask the swine to distribute them. But if we could get them to teach it as theory, and you do, I hope, know the difference between theory and law. I, I want to I illustrate theories. Um, my name is Young. This is, this is all hypothetical. My name is Young. And I drive a Buick. My daddy's name is Young, and he drives a Buick too. Uh, I know a man by the name of Steve Young, and he drives a Buick. Therefore, my theory is that everyone in the world whose name is Young drives a Buick. Now, I am free to postulate that. I am free to theorize all that, uh, all that I like. And I am free to be dogmatic in my theory. But all you have to do to disprove my theory is to find one person whose name is Young who does not drive a Buick. And thus you have overturned my theory and my theory will forever remain just that. A theory. Never to be law. Now, that's, that's pretty simple. Let me, let me give you one that I think has more um, consequence to it. I want to tell you a theory that I have. And I really have this theory. This is the honest truth. This is my theory. My theory is that I have three daughters, as you know. My theory is that young girls, daughters, get their self-esteem and self-worth from the approval that they get from their father. Now, I, I, I would love to extend my theory to uh, sons, but I don't have any, and therefore my theory would be untested. 
But I theorize that all young girls, daughters, get their self-esteem from the approval they sense from their father. Now, I, I, I'm committed to that theory, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let's imagine, let's imagine that you believe that I had just discovered and unearthed a brand new earth-shattering theory. And you all got behind me. And you began to operate your homes based on my theory. And you had daughters. And you raised your daughters according to my theory. And it spread and became global in its impact. And all over the world, little girls were being taught according to Dr. Young's theory. And then, that lasted for a couple of decades, but unfortunately, there was some research done, and the research proved that my theory was, was wrong. But, it was such a nice theory, and it had been around for so very long, and people really, had, I mean, very every daughter that ever came out of Grace Evangelical Church in Memphis, Tennessee, had high self-esteem. Because their father were, were fathers were operating on Dr. Young's theory. So, uh, unfortunately, the research proved that um, Dr. Young was wrong. But because we didn't, we love Dr. Young, don't we? <laughs> we do, we do. <laughs> we don't want to do anything that would upset Dr. Young. And so what we do is take the research data that is available and we hide it. We hide the data, and not only that, we produce false evidence to document Dr. Young's theory. And we do that, and we continue to cover up all of the research evidence that is coming forward. But unfortunately, my theory was born of ignorance, and in 45 years, we discover that every female on the planet has psychological and emotional problems because their parents raised their children based on a theory that was false. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is serious to think about destroying a little girl's self-worth and her self-image. Those are, those are severe consequences, you would agree. But tell me, ladies and gentlemen, does it move you to think that for 135 years whole philosophies have been constructed based on a theory on which evidence has been forthcoming to disprove that theory and that evidence has been hidden to the eternal destruction of men and women's souls. That's what's happened, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not so angry at the deceived. And, and very frankly, the Christian church contains the deceived. I'm angry at the deceiver. The ones who would continue. For instance, may I quote, may I quote Sir Julian Huxley. I don't think he's alive anymore. A bit, but he was the most well-known living evolutionists, evolutionist. And he said, and I quote, the first point to make about Darwin's theory is that it is no longer a theory, but a fact. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there has been untold harm brought about because people cannot make the distinction between a theory and the law. You are free to theorize all you like. Go right ahead. But then, if you are scientifically honest, when the evidence disproves your theory, you're supposed to be on the avant-garde of scientific effort to try and make sure that the scientific community publicizes the new findings. But that has not been done. Au contraire. In fact, the evidence has been hidden. It has been altered so that we would go on for a century and a half to believe in that which was a lie, to the ruination of men's souls. Ladies and gentlemen, don't misunderstand me. I, I, I believe, uh, um, well, I, I don't want to get into that, but it has had enormous impact culturally, philosophically, politically, uh, scientifically. I mean, we, we designed a NASA spacecraft based on evolutionary theory, ladies and gentlemen. I've already mentioned that. That lunar module that landed on the face of the moon with Neil Armstrong with those long legs, that was designed because evolutionary theory suggested that there would be several feet of moon dust on the surface of the moon. We designed lunar landing modules based on scientific theory, and when we got to the moon, found out, hmm, where's all the moon dust? It should have disproved, and somebody should have. But, ladies and gentlemen, other issues are at stake, and that's, that's what I hope you understand, that other things are at stake here. The, the battle is not over science and ignorance. The battle is over theism and atheism. That's the battle. Now, concerning, I, I wanted to make sure that you know the distinction between theory and law. Concerning laws, there is there are several, but one that is most popular. In fact, I had a gentleman come up to me last week and said, you know, I can tell you something to disprove evolution. Why, golly, I put a car out in my backyard and the thing rotted in the air. That, ladies and gentlemen, is, a, is a, an, an illustration of Lord Kelvin's second law of thermodynamics. Now, you've heard of that, I think. But let me make sure that you understand that is a law. A law, not a theory. It is a law. That is, that there has never been one instance of scientific development that has overturned or contradicted his law. You understand, do you not, <clears throat> that the basic law of evolution is that of increasing organization and complexity. That is the basic premise of evolution. Increasing organization and complexity. We move from singles, actually we move from chemistry to single cell amoeba to the very sophisticated mind of someone like myself. <laughs> we have moved to the complex and the intelligent. That's the basic premise of evolutionary thought. The basic premise of the second law of thermodynamics 
is completely contrary to that basic premise of evolutionary thought. The second law of thermodynamics simply says, I mean, I can read it to you, but I mean, it is, folks, that um, uh, everything is moving not from simplicity to complexity, but moving from complexity to simplicity. Do, do you, do you, evolution says simplicity to complexity. The law, that's theory. The law of thermodynamics is moving from complexity to simplicity. Everything is moving from a state of organization to a state of randomness. Things are breaking down. That is called, as you know, you've heard this word, but this is a good one that you might, it is called entropy. Everything is moving from complexity to simplicity. All, everything, folks, is breaking down, including me and you. Um, but, folks, you must understand that evolutionary theory says from simplicity to complexity, Lord Kelvin's second law of thermodynamics says from complexity to simplicity. Somebody's got to be wrong. One of the basic premises of logical debate, ladies and gentlemen, is that A cannot be uh, non-A in the same relationship at the same time. Did you hear that? A cannot equal non-A in the same relationship at the same time. That's the law of contradiction. Well, folks, evolution says from simplicity to complexity. The law says from complexity to simplicity. Those are contrary. Now, folks, the second law of thermodynamics never has ever been, and nor will it ever be, disproved in scientific discovery. And evolutionists know that. It has been a thorn in their side for decades. But they do not sit idly by. They have a couple of suggestions that they make as to um, uh, an explanation. And you might expect that. I mean, I think you wonder, well, gosh, there's the second law of thermodynamics. Those fools can see that, can't they? Well, gosh, surely they've got to say something about that. Well, they do. They have two suggestions. Let me read them to you. Um, one is to deny the universality of the... Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is comical. Here's the entropy. One uh, effort is to deny the universality of the entropy principle. Since man is quite limited in knowledge, and since he is able to make observations only on a very small part of the vast universe, he cannot be certain that the second law applies everywhere in time and space. Empirical measurements can never establish universal certainty. Do you understand that? They're saying, in essence, yeah, well, we see the law working here, but it might not work on Pluto. We're just, we, we're, we know that the law it works here, but, you know, you can't, you can't prove that universally. And very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, philosophically, that is a um, um, valid position. However, wherever and whenever and however the entropy principle has been subjected to scientific test, it has always worked, with no exceptions. Wherever you can test it, whenever you can test it, however you can test it, it is always proved to be a law. Well, but maybe there's some place we ought not, we can't test it. Well, that makes a whole lot of sense, you idiot. Of course there's some place we haven't gone to test it. 
But that's that. But folks, I, I, their suggestions I think signals how desperate they are to find a solution to the problem of entropy, because entropy, ladies and gentlemen, is law, and entropy is in diametric opposition to evolutionary theory. You do understand that, don't you, guys? There's another one. Um, the the other suggestion is that the second law only applies to isolated systems. If you would like to hear a response to that, I, I don't want to take any more of our time. I've got it right here for you if you'd like to. And that is the other suggestion that they make to the second law of thermodynamics. If you'd like to read it, I have it here for you. You can read it after the, our, our class time. But folks, after all these two suggestions, after all the speculation that does nothing but show how desperate they are to find a solution for this problem, the scientific community says this. Let me read you three quotes. Dr. John Ross, a Harvard scientist, says, and I quote, There are no known violations of the second law of thermodynamics. Dr. Frank Grew, has the second law ever been circumvented? Not yet. Dr. Arthur Eddington, a British astronomer, if your theory is found to be against the second law, I can give you no hope. There is nothing for it but a collapse into deepest humiliation. The theory of evolution is opposed to the second law, and this gentleman suggests that I can give you no hope for your theory. But if you want to teach you this theory, you go right ahead. The evidence contradicts you, but you can still teach you this theory. But again, do I need to remind you of... Um, let me read you Dr. Huxley's uh, quote again. The first point to make about Darwin's theory is that it is no longer a theory, but a fact. And I say to you again, go to the Think Palace. See how they present it to you. Uh, go, to the, go to the Smithsonian. We did. I tell you what, we were in uh, Chicago a couple years ago. We went to the Museum of Natural History in Chicago. And it's, it just crawls all over you. You punch the little buttons and the little tapes say, 14 billion years ago, and, and, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Because they present it as fact, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm telling you, that is born of deception. Now, that, that's the first thing that I wanted to say today, and then I want to close. Um, Y'all have been kind to bear with me in my rantings uh, for six weeks. Let me bring this to a close, because I want you to know this. This is something that I want you to know, and that is that the scientific world has begun to see a movement away from naturalistic evolution. Um in terms of it being the explanation for the existence of the universe, ladies and gentlemen, I am here to tell you that the scientific community is moving away from it in wholesale numbers. Did I tell you this? I think I already have um, uh, suggested this, that Albert Einstein went to his death as a believer in the Big Bang. Now, folks, the, the, we don't believe in Big Bang, but the Big Bang does posit that there was a definitive beginning, which we as creationists believe. Uh, I think I said this to you also, that um, Stephen Hawking, who is considered the greatest astrophysicist alive today, he has Lou Gehrig's disease. If you've ever seen a picture of, of, of Stephen Hawking, it will bring tears to your eyes. 
But Stephen Hawking at this very, well, not this very minute, but is presently attending an evangelical church in London, giving a listen, giving an ear to the claims of Christ upon his life. I didn't say he was converted. But I am saying that he too is a proponent of the Big Bang, which is, which is a move towards creationism. I didn't say they're creationists. But ladies and gentlemen, the scientific community is moving away from evolution as an explanation for the existence of the universe. Let me give you an example. In a magazine that appeared, uh, in, Har an in an article that appeared in Harper's Magazine in 1976, the author is a Thomas Bethel, um, and the article was entitled, Darwin's Mistake. It was essentially an article um, reviewing all of the um, disturbing discoveries uh, about evolution. Um, let me read you a sentence, or two sentences from that article. This is, I love this. Darwin, I'm quoting, I suggest, is in the process of being discarded, but perhaps in deference to the venerable old gentleman, resting comfortably in Westminster Abbey next to Sir Isaac Newton, it is being done as discreetly and as gently as possible with a minimum of publicity. Did, did you understand that? This man is saying, we're, we're getting rid of Darwin, but we're trying to be nice to his memory. So we're doing it quietly with a minimum of publicity. Yeah, there's a minimum of publicity, all right. And you know, what, what, sometimes I, I wonder... Where, where are these people in the, in the biology department of Memphis State University and University of Tennessee? Where are they? Unless they're just determined to deceive you. This is my favorite quote. My favorite quote of all the quotes that I've given you in six weeks. This is my favorite. This is from Dr. Colin Patterson, who is presently, I, I, unless he's died recently, um, is presently the senior paleontologist at the British uh, Natural History Museum. What I'm about to read you, he said in a lecture in 1981 to the American Museum of Natural History in New York. It was a gathering of paleontologists that took place in the uh, Natural History Museum in New York in 1981, and Dr. Colin Patterson, the uh, senior paleontologist at the British Natural Museum, uh, his, whatever, Natural History Museum, uh, said this, and I'm quoting. Listen to this. I just this is my favorite. Can you? Now he's he's saying this. He's saying this. He's looking at his audience, and he says this. Can you tell me anything you know about evolution? Any one thing that is true? I'm still quoting him. I tried that question on the geology staff at the Field Museum of Natural History, and the only answer I got was silence. I tried it on the members of the Evolutionary Morphology Seminar in the University of Chicago, a very prestigious body of evolutionists, and all I got there was silence for a long time. And eventually, one person said, I do know one thing. It ought not be taught in high school. <laughs> Tell me one thing. I'm sure he did say it like that. Tell me one thing you know for sure. One thing you know for sure about evolutionary theory.
silence. That, that's from the Evolutionary Morphology Seminar at the University of Chicago. We're not half as smart as those boys. They don't know one thing for sure. And your children are being told that it's factual. It may be of some interest to you that literally dozens of scientists, not particularly Christians, in fact, the quotes that I've got are not, it's not from one Christian. I don't have one Christian quoted here. Um, dozens have repudiated the theory. I want to read you several of those and I'm finished. In a French magazine entitled Science and Life, Science AV, Science and Life, an article appeared uh, about 10 years ago, and the title of the article was, Should We Burn Darwin? <laughs> Yeah, I think we should. <laughs> I'm all for it. Um, <clears throat> one line from that article. The classical theory of evolution in its strict sense belongs to the past. You want to be hip? You want to be with it? Then don't you dare breathe a word about evolution because that stuff belongs to the past. Pierre-Paul Grasset, who is a renowned French scientist and the past president of the Academy of Science in France, in his most recent book, I think it's his most recent, he could have written another one, but in his most recent book says this, Today our duty is to destroy the myth of evolution. considered as a simple, understood, and explained phenomenon which rapidly keeps unfolding before us. Biologists must be encouraged to think about the weaknesses and extrapolations that theoreticians put forward or lay down as established truths. The deceit is sometimes unconscious, but not always, since some people, owing to their sectarianism, purposely overlook reality and refuse to acknowledge the inadequacies and falsity of their beliefs. Did you get that? That wasn't a Christian talking, ladies and gentlemen. That was the past president of the Academy, Academy of Sciences, Pierre-Paul Grasset of France. Our, our goal today as a scientific community is to destroy the myth of evolution. Why do you keep holding on to it? Surely nobody else is holding on to that in here. I hope we put it to death. Three more quotes. Dr. Merwin Davies, who has a doctorate in geology, says, I know that it would puzzle any geologist to produce the least shred of evidence for evolution which could stand the test of rigid examination by a capable critic. Now, we've heard from paleontologists, we've heard from biologists, we've heard it from astronomers, and now we're hearing from a geologist, and they said they can't put through a bunch of red evidence. <laughs> oh, boy, not one shred. A professor Fleischmann, who is a zoologist at the University of Erlangen, the Darwinian theory of descent has not a single fact to confirm it in the realm of nature. It is not the result of scientific research, but purely the product of imagination. Guys, I know there are people that disagree with this. What I'm trying to say to you is, 
the scientific, you are not alone as a creation. You are not alone in someone who rejects evolutionary theory. The scientific community is moving away with it. Why don't we just burn him? I'm jesting, of course, but... Finally, Professor Enoch, a zoologist at the University of Madras. The facts, listen to this. The facts of paleontology seem to support creation rather than evolution. <laughs> That's not a Christian, ladies and gentlemen. The facts of paleontology, I'll, I'll guarantee you. I'll guarantee you paleontology supports creationism. Don't ever be afraid of a fossil again. Don't ever be afraid of dinosaurs. I don't understand what the fascination with dinosaurs is. I don't understand why dinosaurs cause you problems. Ladies and gentlemen, if anything, dinosaurs should cause evolutionist problems. They're just animals who are now extinct. And we've got nice skeletons of them. Ladies and gentlemen, what I want you to see is that evolution succeeds today, not because of evidence, but because it bolsters a humanistic faith which modern man has placed or put in the place of the Christian gospel. The reason that evolution is believed and taught is not because of the evidence that exists. The reason that it is taught is because there is a need for it. The need on the part of the humanistic, secular culture that is opposed to the idea that they may one day have to stand and be accountable to a God who made them and that every deed done in the flesh they'll answer for. That thought is utterly repugnant and so many Many zealously defend it because the issue is not one of evidence and non-evidence. The issue is one of theism versus atheism. I say to you, my dear brother and sister in Christ, don't you ever again, I plead with you, think that you have done, that you, that you do not do damage to the kingdom of God by holding on to evolutionary thought. You do violent damage to the position of the biblical Christian by suggesting that, mm, well, you know, I'm kind of, I'm not sure about that. You make your choice, ladies and gentlemen. You choose this day whom thou shalt serve. But if you're a Christian, there is no possible way, folks, that we can tolerate evolutionary thought alongside a commitment to the God of this book. I defy you to try to do otherwise. Logically, evidentially, honorably, spiritually. You can have both. Pick you one. As for me and my house, <laughs> we'll stick with creationism. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, uh, I pray that your people will be rallied. Rallied not so much to defend you, but rallied to repent of their ever doubting you. Might we never again 
cast aspersions upon your glory by balking at the idea that we are the a product of the creative genius of our God and Father. That we are His sheep and we are not ours ourselves. It is your pasture. We are the creature. You are the creator. You are the one who beckons us with the question, don't I have the right? Father, people in this room tonight gladly, gladly submit to your gloriously good sovereignty. We are so glad you are sovereign. And we want our lives to reflect our gladness. Father, um, use this church to communicate to our culture, at least the culture, the small one that's around us, that there is another option beside what they've been told. We commit ourselves, Father, to be maturing believers who are determined to reach a lost and dying world. And we pray in Jesus' name.